May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I have not forgotten what time of year it is. I am not confused. I know that this is Palm Sunday and not Christmas Eve. But those words from Luke's second chapter, those words that describe the praises of heaven after the angels had announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, I believe that Luke wants those words to echo in our heads when we read his account of what we call Palm Sunday. Jesus here is at the end of his earthly ministry. He's riding toward Jerusalem on a colt as people are laying their cloaks on the ground before him. And Luke writes this. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Do you hear the similarities between the two? Both in the skies over Bethlehem and on the road to Jerusalem, there was a multitude. And in both places, that multitude was praising God, declaring peace and offering glory to God in the highest. These are big ideas, big images, all expressed in really lofty language. But in both instances, in Bethlehem and outside Jerusalem, there's also a kind of disconnect. Because at Jesus' birth, the whole heavens are singing the praises of God, but those angels are appearing just to a few shepherds out in the hills. And when they do, what they announce is the birth of a king who could be found in a feed trough. And at Jesus' approach to Jerusalem, the multitude is his disciples, probably a few hundred ragtag nobodies, lepers and prostitutes, tax collectors and sinners. They're hailing a king who is an itinerant rabbi, who's riding a horse that's probably too small for him, and that's draped not with the finest of silks, but with the dusty old cloaks of his fellow pilgrims. The disciples are declaring the glory of God, but to an outside observer, the scene probably looked more ridiculous than glorious. From his birth until here, just a few days before his death, Jesus' life has always been marked by these kinds of disconnects, these strange juxtapositions and paradoxes. And what I have been struck by as I have sat with this Palm Sunday story this week is how present Jesus is able to be in the midst of all of that. So what do I mean? Well, take, for example... The fact that 
many of the people who called out praises to Jesus at the beginning of the week would be calling out crucify him by the end of the week. And consider that Jesus knew that just as much as he knew that Judas would betray him and Peter would deny him. Now, if I were in Jesus' shoes on that first Palm Sunday, and I looked around at hundreds of people shouting my praises, and I knew that just days later those same people would call for my death, let's just say it would have been hard for me to keep my mouth shut. I would have wanted to tell them off. I would have wanted to dismiss them as fair-weather fans and to let them know in no uncertain terms that I saw through all their palm-waving and hosanna-shouting and knew just how fickle their hearts really were. But Jesus didn't do any of that. He was able to receive the praises of his disciples even as he knew that they would mostly abandon him. Jesus knew that in that moment, their praise was sincere, and it was honest. And so he welcomed it, and he honored it. Jesus wasn't in denial. He wasn't pretending that he didn't know how this was going to end. And I am sure that he was deeply grieved by it all. But Jesus didn't let his knowledge of what was going to happen keep him from being present with what was happening. Jesus was present to all of it. Or think about the the images, the visuals of this royal parade that's being thrown for Jesus. So the disciples are shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And with their cloaks and their palms, though for the sake of accuracy, I should note that Luke does not actually mention palms. But with their cloaks and whatever else they had, they are hailing the entry of their king into the capital city. This is what happened in Roman culture. If a king or a, an emperor or a general had had some sort of victory, they would come marching home into the capital with a huge parade thrown for them. That is essentially what Jesus' disciples are doing for him here. And it is sincere and it is heartfelt, this triumph parade that they're giving him. But I imagine it probably looked a little more like kids playing dress-up than it did an actual royal parade. But Jesus didn't point that out to them. He didn't stop them to tell them that, yes, in fact, he is the king, but that he's a king greater than they could ever fathom, that he was the king of all creation. And he didn't belittle their carpet of dirty, worn cloaks or their hastily cut palm branches. He didn't tell them that the palm trees themselves waved their branches in his honor or that he could have walked on a carpet of stars if he wanted to. Jesus knew that who he was his real power, his real glory, his real honor, that these were far greater than the disciples could ever understand. 
And yet he received their royal parade of cloaks and palm branches with gratitude because Jesus was present to all of it. And that, that ability that Jesus showed on that first Palm Sunday to be present in the midst of all of the paradoxes and all of the disconnects of his experiences, that is good news for us. Because we all live lives of paradoxes and disconnects. We can be in fortunate, good, even happy circumstances and be sincerely grateful for them and yet still be feeling the pangs of unmet dreams or unfulfilled longings. Or we can be in the darkest season of grief and yet still find that true joy bubbles up in worship or prayer or the presence of loved ones. We can have staked everything on our belief that Jesus is Lord and on our decision to follow him and yet still be haunted by doubts. Or we might find that the tragedies and the traumas of our lives and of the world leave a part of us wishing that we could just abandon God altogether, and yet we still find that our hearts are drawn back to him. Our lives are full of paradoxes and disconnects. And the fact that Jesus could be present in the midst of all of the paradoxes and disconnects of his life means that he can be present in the midst of all of the paradoxes and disconnects of our lives. We don't have to talk ourselves out of our disappointments or doubts to be acceptable to Jesus. Jesus can be with us right in the midst of them. And we don't have to resolve the tensions between joy and grief and hope and pain that we experience in order to have true faith in Jesus. Jesus can be right in the midst of those tensions, holding them with us, holding us in them. Jesus can be present with us in all of it. And Jesus' ability to be present in the midst of all of the paradoxes and disconnects of his life is good news for us for another reason, which is that we are all ourselves fundamental paradoxes and disconnects. We are all made in the image of God, knitted together in our mother's wombs, fearfully and wonderfully and purposefully made by the Lord of the universe. And we are all sinful and broken and lost and helpless and beyond our ability to save ourselves. These things are both true, always will be true this side of heaven. But Jesus is present with us in all of it. And he loves us through all of it. So when we sin, we don't have to hide from Jesus in shame or fear. We can come to him boldly because we are children of God, beloved by him. And when we want to rest in Jesus' love, 
We don't first have to try to frantically clean up the sinful and broken messes of our lives. We don't have to be afraid that Jesus will find us unworthy of the love we want to receive from him. Because Jesus sees all of it, our belovedness and our brokenness. And he is present with us in all of it. And that is good news. So this Holy Week, as we follow Jesus' footsteps to the cross and to the tomb, may God grant us grace to be fully present to all of it. Because Jesus has been fully present to us. Amen.